words of the gospel ascend to God is good all the time. Amen. For God, nothing is impossible. That's right. Amen. That's right. For us, we know that it is impossible. But for God, anything is possible. Amen. God has the power. And we know that He alone has that power to work miracles in our life. We desire for those miracles, but it's the good Lord who can work those miracles in our life. But he gives us a requirement called faith to be able to access that grace and receive that miracle we look, are looking for. There was a, a dad who sent off his son to war, and his son was a, a very noble soldier. He was always risking his life to save others. And he saved many, many soldiers. And the last soldier that he tried to save as he was carrying his body to, to a, a safe place, he was shot. And the bullet went right through his heart. And he was able to somehow manage to rescue that last soldier, but he lost his life in the process. And so the soldier that, that was saved by this other soldier, this noble soldier, he wanted to see his father. And when he came back to the States, he was an entrepreneur, he made all this money, and he had a world-class painter paint an image of this soldier that saved his life. And he gave it to, his, to the father. And he said, your son saved my life. There's nothing I can do to repay what he did for me. But I give you this painting of your son. And he had a world-class artist make that painting. And he loved that painting, not because it was by a world-class artist, but it was the image of his son. And he was so proud of his son that his son was so heroic in sacrificing his life to save others. And anytime people would come in, he would always point to the painting of his son, and people would admire the painting and, and the image that it reflected in the, the hero that his son was. And then the father died. And the, the man who was the, the millionaire, he also died. And in his will, he wanted his paintings to go to the father. Since the father wasn't alive, they put the paintings of the son and all these world-famous paintings together at an auction. And so the first painting that they wanted to auction off was the painting of the son. And nobody knew this soldier. Nobody cared. Nobody wanted to bid on that painting. Everybody was grumbling and said, let's just get it over with. So it was over and over again. They put the, the painting and said, look, does someone want to bid for this painting? And there was a relative of the, the, the father. He didn't really have a lot of money, so he said, I'll give $10 for that painting. No one wanted to outbid him, and so he got that painting. And then the auctioneer said, now the auction is closed. And he said, he explained, the reason why it's closed is because the stipulation was anybody who bought that painting of the son, the soldier, was going to have all the other paintings. So this man that was in poverty, he, was, he wasn't wealthy, just became a multimillionaire. He had all these paintings that he just accumulated for $10. And I bring up this story because God the Father gives us the image 
more than image, but his son. Jesus Christ taken on flesh. Jesus, who is the one who sacrificed his life for all of us, is the only way to salvation. The only way we can enter the masterpiece of the mansion in the kingdom of heaven. Without the Son, there is no access to the kingdom of heaven. There is no salvation. So when you purchase the Son, you purchase the kingdom. Because the King is our Lord. And His kingdom is of heaven. When He said to Pontius Pilate, He said, My kingdom is not of this world. So when you accept the Son, you accept the Father. You accept the Father. You accept the Son and the Holy Spirit. And so God, who reigns in heaven, enters into the mystery of our life. And he brings the gift of his presence. And so then we're blessed with salvation. It's God who always initiates that grace. King David, he was a nobody. He was a shepherd boy. He was a, a child, a teenager, just shepherding the flock. Nothing extraordinary about him. And yet God said that he chose him, consecrated him, anointed him, raised him up. And then he was able to slay Goliath in the name of God. Even though he was small, even though he had no sword, no armor, he used a stone in the slingshot. And he said he's going to use the power of God to be able to conquer Goliath. That it wasn't going to be his strength, his power, but the power of God. And because of his faith in God, God worked that miracle. And so King David's thinking, well, I'm going to do something great for God. Maybe you're going to think of something you want to do great for God. Like, I'm going to do something great for God. Like, I want to do something fantastic, and that's going to really impress people for God, for the glory of God. That's what King David thought. He said, look, he's in a tent. I want to build him a mansion, a palace. He deserves better than this tent. And then Nathan, the prophet, said, yeah, go ahead. You're doing a good idea. He said, I bless that idea. Then God corrected the prophet Nathan. He said, no. King David is not going to build a mansion for me. In fact, I'm the one who raised him up. I chose him. He didn't choose me. So God revealed to Nathan, the prophet, and then to King David, a promise that his descendant would be the Messiah that would have an eternal kingdom. And we see that covenant that was made with David fulfilled only in the person of Christ. And so he says that he's going to create a dynasty for King David and that his son was going to build him a temple that would be his presence, but it would be a temporary presence, right? The ultimate presence would be the temple of Christ's body, the incarnation, God taken on flesh. The true temple that God wants is the flesh of Christ, and through Christ, our body, our soul, our heart. And so, not what man made is that which is eternal, but what God made. And so God humbled and also blessed King David by saying that he's going to do this for him. And he's going to do it at the right time and the right place. 
And so our Lord did this. This reveals to us that God's revelation is ongoing. It's not one and done. King David was revealed to him that he would conquer Goliath. Then he was always persecuted by King Saul. He didn't reign as king automatically. He had to suffer his life being threatened by King Saul everywhere he went. It wasn't an automatic, right? Then he had the opportunity to take King Saul's life, and he said no. God revealed his plan in stages. And every stage, he had an opportunity to say yes to salvation or no. This revelation of salvation was either yes or no, through faith. So King David said yes. Our Lady, who is the Immaculate Conception, unlike us, she was born without sin, the most pure, and yet she herself did not know what the angel Gabriel was saying, hell full of grace. What's that about? She was afraid. She didn't understand. We can know, sacred scripture tells us, she didn't understand. That's why she had the question. And then when he explained, she still didn't fully grasp what was revealed to her. You're going to give birth to the Messiah. How? I know not man. The Holy Spirit will overshadow you. Even though she didn't understand everything, she believed everything. Because even St. Paul says the revelation that God revealed himself to us, Jesus Christ revealed himself to St. Paul, and he surrendered. He said he obeyed. So this reveals to us that if God revealed himself to the Conception, to King David, to all the prophets in stages, who are we to say no, that he won't do the same for us? Amen? Amen. So this is part of our journey, that faith is not a one and done yes, at baptism, at confirmation, or whatever stage we find ourselves at, whenever, if you are married, whatever your vocation is. It's not a one and done experience. God's revelation is ongoing. Yeah. Even though we have the fullness yes, yes. of truth, we have the fullness of how to be saved and how to walk with Christ. We still are always open to the revelation of Christ. Yeah. And he reveals himself to us. And so that we had the opportunity to say yes or no. Yes to God's grace and his kingdom or no to his grace and his kingdom. And what does that do? It keeps us on our toes. It keeps us humble. That God begins the good work in us. That God perfects the good work through us, in us. So he begins it in us, and then he allows us to be his instruments. But he continues to perfect us, to purify us, to guide us, to correct us, as we continue to follow the light of Christ walking with eyes of faith, right? Not with seeing him as we see each other. Eyes of faith. We don't see perfectly. We don't understand perfectly. And yet, in the stages of God's grace, we have the opportunity to make those small steps of fiat, like our lady, that fiat, let it be done to me according to thy word. Not to go, to go beyond or to go under what is God's will, but to be precise. Right? To be precise as a musician singing a note or playing an instrument. That precision is necessary, right? To be effective. So it is 
and the melody of truth and obedience to God. That expression of God's will is precise, is giving us our grace in that moment to say yes, to be open to God's grace so that we can continue to follow Christ and we can continue to experience his presence, his glory. And when we do that, then we're able to sing the praises of God like Our Lady. You know, she praised God through the Magnificat, the Song of Mary. My soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. She sang that song of praise because of God's presence in her, her Savior, our Savior. And so we sing that praise of God in our, our souls as we continue to say that yes, as we continue to follow Christ. And we allow him to reveal himself to us in ways we never could imagine. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.